Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. you're visiting we're so privileged to have you with us today we're doing housekeeping as I said for a few weeks I'm going to teach this morning we do it once a year we don't do it very often but I'm going to teach on tithing this morning to make sure that we've got the basics in our faith maybe the basics of our Christian walk what's the Bible telling us tithing may be a word you don't understand or you've never heard before Um, but The Word of God challenges us sometimes to bring something that costs us to God and give an offering to God. At the end of this service today, and we haven't had time to do it, we were worshipping earlier, but we'll give an offering. We're going to sow our giving, something that costs us into the house of God. And we love doing it, don't we, Com Church? We don't mind doing it. Do I get an amen? We love to give to God. If that's you, why don't you make some noise? God blesses us when we give to him. It's not a challenge. It's not a hardship. In the Old Testament, it was a privilege. Actually, the group of people that were allowed to give offerings, that the rest of society were trying to strive to reach that position. It was such a privilege to be able to give that people were trying to work to get their way into being the ones that could give. They were excited about it. They wanted to do it. It was for the privileged few. And how, how times have changed. We try to hold on to everything we've got. So this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about Old Testament tithing. And I'm going to train us and teach us. And we'll do a little bit of Bible study along the way. But if you're going to have the blessing of God on your life, if you're going to have the power of God in your life, if you want the anointing of God moving through your life, there are some qualities that you can attach to your faith that will allow God and God uses to open up blessings, power and anointing in your life. For example, love. Love, God is love. And when we show love and we combine that with our faith, God does amazing things in our lives. Integrity. When we have integrity, when we give, when we give our best in any given moment, even when our best isn't required, which is what integrity is, when we do that and we attach it to our faith, integrity, then God does amazing things. When we have humility, when we show humble spirits and humble natures and we attach that to our faith, righteousness, when we live a righteous life and we attach that to our faith, God promises to do amazing things. Generosity, when we add generosity to our faith and we show a heart of love through generosity, God does amazing things. It's like a plug-in. Has anyone heard of a plug-in? A plug-in is a piece of software that attaches to a bigger bit of software on your computer and it makes the bigger bit of software do something it couldn't do before by this little bit of software attaching to it. In the same way, these life things that we can attach to our faith cause faith to have an amazing result in our life. Today I want to specifically look at the gravity of giving. Is that all right? We're going to look at what giving is for, why it exists and why it is in the Bible and why we should all do it. Let's combine our giving with our faith and see what God will do today. Generosity in giving manages the condition of your heart. If you want to manage the condition of your heart, if you want to live well-being, if you want to live a well life, um, well-being is a real hot topic at the moment, isn't it? To live healthy and well. If you truly want to do that, you can manage the condition of your heart through giving. We need to have giving hearts. 
Giving with generosity is love in action. It's your love in action. I've said it before on this platform. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's impossible to love someone and not let that spill over without giving. That's the truth of it this morning. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. As soon as you mention wealth, money, giving, riches in church, what happens? We all get a bit twitchy. It's funny that Jesus used giving and used money and economics and finances as an example more than any other topic that he did. It's funny that in the Word of God, Jesus did that. And that we spend every day of every week worrying about where our next pennies are coming from, yet you mention it in church and everybody goes, shh, shh. It's funny, isn't it? It's really funny. So we don't apologise in this church for talking about money because it's something that we all think about and it's something that Jesus talked about. Like gravity, giving is a law and it has an outcome. With gravity, if I climb this ladder... Uh, you're now finding out why there's ladders in church. So I'm just like, we're not having maintenance, as you can tell. The place is falling down. But um, if, you're, if you climb the ladder and then you step off, you hit the deck. You hit the floor. It's a law. Gravity is a law in the same way giving is. Much of the Old Testament, when you read the Bible, is written with the backdrop of society whose economics pivoted around agriculture and farming. Their economics all went around farming and sowing and planting seeds was the common example that is used throughout the Bible to talk about giving. You plant seed, you reap a harvest. That's what the Bible says. You plant, well, it's actually a fact. The farmers today, you plant the seed, you reap a harvest. It's a, it's a law. It's just like gravity. You jump off the ladder, you hit, you hit the floor. You jump off the ladder, you hit the floor. There's no avoiding the law of gravity and there's no avoiding the law of seed time and harvest. You plant a seed, you reap a harvest. It's exactly the same. The word tithe means 10%. So when you read the word tithe in the Bible, it just simply means 10%. Let me take a drink. Turn to your neighbour and say 10%. There you go. Advanced maths this morning. In Bible times, what you possessed at the beginning of the month by way of livestock, wheat, or hay, or whatever it was your chosen crop, 10% of that would be taken to the temple priests called Levites as per God's requirement in Mosaic law. So the people that when you read in the Old Testament that were giving and they were sowing, they collected all of their livestock, their, their different things that they'd planted and grow, and they would present it before the priests, the temple. They would bring it and give it as their offering. And that was tithing. That's where it came from. It's a law that was written in the Old Testament. I'm going to go to the go-to scripture that when anybody's talking about tithing that everybody mentions, Malachi 3, verse 6 to 10. I encourage you, if you've got your Bibles today, we're going to do a bit of Bible study. Get it out. If it's on your phone, grab it out. I encourage you, bring your Bible to church. <coughs> Malachi 3, 6 to 10. 
Bring the whole tithe, everybody say 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. From the time of Jacob in Genesis in the, in the Old Testament, when God made a promise to give his descendants the promised land, the children of Israel, the people in the Old Testament, that much of that is documenting their journey, they tried to avoid paying the tithe. They just, anything that they could do to get out of paying tithing and giving their offerings, they tried it and they tried to do it. And this scripture in Malachi is Malachi reminding them the importance of tithing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. This is Malachi reminding them. It actually says in the scriptures around that if you're not tithing, you are robbing God, which is quite strong. Malachi in this scripture reminds them that not tithing is actually taking from what belongs to God. But he also drove home that when you give your tithe, you can expect God's blessing in abundance. The floodgates, some scriptures say, of heaven open on your life. The window of heaven opens on your life. In this Malachi scripture, he says, you can give to God, you give your tithe, but you can expect the abundant blessing of God. The windows of heaven will open. You climb the ladder, you jump, you hit the deck. You sow your seed, you reap a harvest. You give your tithe, God blesses you. The gravity of giving. This Malachi reference is the only reference in the whole Bible where I know that, they, that God challenges you to test him. There is no other place I know where God says, you can test me in this, test me. So you don't have to take Julian's word this morning on what I'm talking. You can test God for yourself. You follow the principles of tithing and you can test God to see if he will not open the windows of heaven on your life. To help us, I want to go back before the law was written. We get in our quest to avoid tithing. Many people this in 2019 begin to say, well, you know, we're under a new covenant now. The, the old law is, has been fulfilled or it's, it's come to an end. Whatever the argument is. But I want to go back. Before the law was even written, which is kind of the same place we're in today. Abraham, Abraham, right in the beginning of time, pre-law, gave a one-time 10% gift to Melchizedek. There are one-off offerings that Cain and Abel also gave in the beginning of the book, at the very earliest moments of recorded when man was alive. These were all given from the heart when there was no law written. They just responded to things around them and chose to either give a tithe to someone else or so, or give an offering. I want to center what I'm talking about this morning around one particular man in the Bible, and his name is Jacob. Jacob in the, in the Old Testament is, well, they call him the deceiver which is a little bit unfair, I kind, of th- I kind of think. There's lots of people with sketchy histories in the Bible, and very few of them are given a nickname about what their challenge was. Mo- Moses wasn't called the lispy one. Mo- um, the, uh, like David wasn't called, wasn't called the murderer or the killer. Um, but yet Jacob 
received a brand on his life that people decided to call him the deceiver, which I think is a little unfair. But Jacob is fleeing his family because he has deceived his brother. He has kind of created a family feud, if you like. And Jacob has to run away from his brother uh, and his father. And his mother says, you need to run away. You need to escape this because life is getting crazy. But in the midst of complete chaos for this guy, his life has gone crazy and he has to run away from his hometown. He has to leave everybody. But he receives a powerful vision and a powerful blessing en route. I really want to share this story with you this morning. It's the hook to what I'm going to talk about. Genesis 28 verse 10, if you've got your Bible. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place, stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and he put his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. The ladder was in his dream, and heaven was coming up and down the ladder. The angels were coming up and down. Use the ladders to help you picture this this morning. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, And the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you whenever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put his Put, uh, that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying this, If God will be with me, and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So this is the birth of tithing, the very, very beginning of tithing as I see it. He's escaped craziness from um, from his families, running away. And he finds this place and he finds a stone like this and he rests his head and gets his sleep and he rests his head on the stone. And while he's sleeping, he gets this vision of heaven. Many scholars have studied what does this vision mean? 
the angels coming up and down. They talk about the provision of heaven, the conversation between heaven and earth. I like to think of it as a picture of God's presence coming down. When we were singing that song about God's presence on earth, could you just sense the Holy Spirit in the room this morning as we were singing about God's presence? What an amazing picture Jacob had of angels interacting with earth. And God gave him that promise over his life that his descendants would be so many and that they would occupy the promised land. And it began with him promising this place where he lay his head. And Jacob raised, raised the stone that he raised his head. He raised it as a pillar. And he anointed it with oil. That's no way going to stay there. Maybe it will. So he anointed it. And he started a church and he marked that spot and he said, that, this is Bethel, the light on a hill, the place. I don't know how to make this live for you today other than to liken it to our experience. Um, this church is 35 years old this year. Let's appreciate our legacy. <clears throat> Isn't it great? 35 years old. Prior to that, many years before, uh, my mum and dad, they were... Um, they were living in the Midlands, north, north of England, north of here. And um, they were living there. And Dad got a job in Luton for Vauxhall Finance. And through one way or another, they decided that they were going to relocate and go on a journey. So life changed and life, ch life challenges happened. And they came down and they found a little place. And the place that they rested their head happened to be a little town called Dunstable. That's this town. And they lived here. And whilst living here, God gave them a vision and said, God, I want you, Doug and Helena, to plant a church, a vibrant, Holy Spirit, Bible-believing church in Dunstable, where you're going to hold the Word of God true, where you're going to raise worshippers and you're going to live in his presence. And God revealed himself that way to my mum and dad in a dream for them to establish a place. And they began... The journey, they thought, you know what, God, we'll do it. And God gave them a word that the smallest shall become a thousand. It's from, it's from Isaiah. That the smallest should become a thousand. Uh, the smallest, a mighty nation. In my time, I will do it swiftly. And God said to mum and dad, we're going to make you significant. And there's going to be a significant move of God. And people are going to come in their thousands. And, and they're going to come to know Jesus. And this word was given to mum and dad. It was an interaction, it was a vision moment and they decided that they would plant a church on the high street in Dunstable and raise, and raise a stone in Dunstable where they had put their head and anoint it with oil and begin Dunstable Community Church as it was. That is their journey and they took the place and they said, let it be a light on a hill that everybody in our town will see and that will shine. Is this living for you today? Are we starting to understand a little bit about where Jacob was? And... No law. Mum and dad aren't under law. The same as Jacob wasn't under law. Don't take the law out of it. Don't use law arguments with me. They decided that in their hearts, their response to heaven touching earth, their response to God's presence was the same as Jacob's. We are going to tithe. We're going to give 10% of all that we have and bring it to God. Not because they had to, not because it was a law, not because they were under any form of guilt to do so. They chose to do it. 
And then they opened it out to their descendants and the people around to say, do you want to join us? Do you feel like joining and being a part of that light on a hill, the raising of the pillar? Do you want to join that and do you want to join us? Do you want to pay the tithe? Actually, Jacob, in his story, he never went on to receive the promised land or pay the tithe. He never did either and he never saw either. But his descendants did. And what happened was his descendants said, we're going to write in law this moment. That vision that God gave him, that Jacob's ladder moment, we're going to make that law so that everybody has to join the 10% crowd, if you like. And that's how they rolled. That's where the law came from. It came from a vision and it came from one person deciding, I so appreciate being in God's presence that I'm going to tithe. And that's where tithing was born. Sorry, I'm going to have to get some time back this morning. So he built an altar, he made a church, Jacob, and then he made a vow that he would give 10% as a response. Jacob never tithed and he never received the promised land. But Jacob's heart to respond to God's promise and to respond to God's presence was, I will give my tithe a tenth of all that you give me, I will give to you. His descendants did take the promised land and they enshrined in law the vow that Jacob made. The children of Israel over years then, as soon as they made that law, they tried to avoid paying it. And then Malachi brought that correction that we said. Now that is a seriously fast lesson on Old Testament tithing. It's not the easiest Bible study to do, but that's about as good as I can do. Um, And that really just gets you through the whole of the Old Testament. I was going to stop here and then challenge us to give, but so many of us now go to, um, go to the Bible study com, and um, we're, all, we're all mini theologians, and I can hear everybody saying, but Julian, we're under the new covenant now. The law doesn't apply. We're set free. We don't have to tithe. And because you're all so well-trained and you all go to uh, Bible study com, I thought I'd better take a look at the New Testament. Is that all right? <clears throat> Let's draw some conclusions from the New Testament. Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 23, refers to tithing. Let's read it. Luke records the same account in chapter 11, but I'm going to use the Matthew one. Woe to you, teachers, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should be practiced in the latter without neglecting the former. The spices are a luxury in that day. I mean, it's like the stock exchange. Spices of all of the, of all of the um, commodities, of all of the things I mentioned, the livestock and the planting of the seed and the hay and of all those things, the spices was the FTSE 100 index, the top, the cream of the crop. It was the, it was the stock market of the day. And Jesus is saying to them, you need to have, you need to um, not just worry about those things, the, the tithing. You all think you're so great because you, you're tithing, but you've neglected justice and mercy. And then he says, don't, Forget about doing the other thing too. He said, he said this. He said, Jesus is saying the most important thing, but you still need to have the basics in order. That's what Jesus is saying there. I love that scripture because it's the only place where Jesus refers to tithing. 
Bring your 10% of those things, but also remember those great things, mercy and justice. Have you got the basics in order this morning? We all give a nod and reverence the tax man, don't we? We all, well, we should. If you're here this morning, come see me after. If you're not, um, I'll help you out. Um, but we should all give our nod to the tax man. I've, a lot of people trying to get mortgages, we try to show our income as much as possible so that we can achieve the mortgage. Now, that's how you have to work today. You have to get your income up as high as you can so that the mortgage company can give you a sum. We try to make that number as great as possible, don't we? We give our gross salary figures to the car finance company so that we can get that loan. But sometimes do we shortchange God in our giving? We say we put Jesus first and his house first. When it comes to our finances, I ask you to ask yourself this morning, do you really do that? Or are we giving God the leftovers? Lax and Harshi invite me and Sarah to their house all the time. We go to Lax and Harshi's house and it's the greatest. If you can get yourself an invitation, you need to, you need to work it, you need to manoeuvre things around so you get your invitation to Lax and Harshi's house. But never... Never, not once in my time of going to Lax and Harshi's house have they fed me leftovers. Not once. They've gone out and they've bought the best. They've gone out and they've got me the absolute best thing and I go into the house and we get there, we have cheese and the, most, the best spread and they're, they're just, they've got that gift of hospitality. Do you know some people that have got that amazing gift in their home? I want to tell you, I've never been to Lax's house and been served leftovers. Do we sometimes... Offer God leftovers in our giving. I want to go to the New Testament, Mark 12, 41 to 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. So he called the disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in much more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had. Everybody say all. All that she had, her whole livelihood. Everybody say whole. It seems to me that when Jesus told this story about the widow's might, that he's challenging us to give 100%. He's saying this woman gave everything. We're slowly, as we get further towards the back of the book, moving from 10% to a greater number. She said, he said, everybody say all. The best of my GCSE maths tell me that all is 100%. It seems to be getting worse towards the back of the book. Maybe from this story, it's not equal giving that God is looking for, but equal sacrifice that God is looking for. Do you sacrifice yourself to give to the Lord, I wonder? For all of the theologians, let's take a look at what the New Covenant Church did. This New Testament church that we're saying that the Com Church is one. We are in the New Covenant. But Acts 4 verse 32 on the subject of giving and tithing. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything, say everything, shared everything they had. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all uh, that they were no, there were no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, bought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. They shared everything they had. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that they shared everything that they had? Nothing was their own. Everything. My GCSE maths tells me that's 100%. They gave everything that they had and nothing was their own. That's the New Testament. This is not the Old Testament. Nothing was their own. It seems to be getting worse at the back. In fact, it seems to me that Jacob's 10% is a pretty good deal. I'm going to close this morning. I've looked at, looked at these and I don't want to persuade you um, through just presenting this. I just want the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and ask you, are you, are you tipping God with your giving? Are you just serving leftovers, or are you doing what God really deserves when he allows us to walk into his presence and we see the picture of God's presence? I found this study hard. There are so many schools of thought in 2019 that there's no need for tithing. The day of tithing is over. It ended at the cross. It's trendy to give to who you like. It's trendy to give how you like and make up your own rules on giving. The law is over. It doesn't matter anymore. But that is not my conviction when I've done this study. The tug on my heart, the tug on my heart doesn't witness that it's not the day for tithing anymore. Jacob, when he had no law, chose to give 10% in response to being in God's presence. And Jesus had done nothing for him at this point. Jesus has done everything for us. He paid the price for us. How much more should we do? How much more can we do than they did then? Under the grace Jesus provided to the church in the new covenant, we are back to where Jacob was, but also with the knowledge that Jesus has done so much for us. So I pose these questions. What are you giving? What are you giving? Where are you giving? And how are you choosing to give? At the time Jesus walked the earth, the Jews were giving 20-25% of their income to the temple. The tithe, 10%, does actually seem like a bargain to me. From my study, I see only reference to giving between 10% and 100%. Jesus talks more about 100% than he does about 10%. So I'd say this to Com Church this morning, if you'd want to know where this church stands... We stand or make your choice anywhere between 10% and 100%. The rest is up to you. You decide. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Give God praise. One thing is for sure. From that scripture, one thing's for sure. If you sow nothing, 
you'll get absolutely nothing. It's a law. That is the gravity of giving. You sow nothing, you'll reap nothing. Receive this challenge today. Do you put Jesus first in your life and in your finances? Have you put God's house above your own? As pastors of Com Church, we are a new covenant, a New Testament church, and we need you to stand with us. We're raising a light on a hill, a Bethel, in the community of Dunstable. Not out of obligation do we need you to connect in your giving, but we do need you to connect in your giving. Not out of reluctance, not out of um, tradition, not out of guilt, but we do need you to connect by way of giving because we want to raise this pillar high in our community. Like Jacob, mum and dad, we're their descendants and we're too. Sarah and I have decided we're going to carry on and we're going to hold that tithe as important because we think it's important because we're in God's presence and we don't want to just tip him. It's not law. You find your way out of it if you want. It's not law. You, you're free. There's freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. On messages in tithing in many churches, that you'll never hear that mentioned, but you're free. You do. You do what you want. But as far as Sarah and I, we've decided that God's presence means we're going to tithe. And we're asking you to join us. Join us if you want. This morning, we're going to take an offering at the end of this service. going to ask the team to come back and lead us in worship. But the tithe was good enough for Jacob. It's good enough for me. The Bible says do it. That's good enough for me. If you don't believe me this morning, if you'd like, Julian doesn't know what he's talking about. Julian has no clue. He doesn't have the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. That's fine. Well, I encourage you, do what Malachi says and test God. You give the tithe and see what God will do. It's the only place you can test God. Don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Use your Bible and test God yourself. I don't want to persuade you to do it today. But what I do know is that when you're obedient to that word and you give and you do and you honour God's presence and you honour the provision between heaven and earth that that picture shows of Jacob's ladder, as you honour God having an interaction between heaven and earth, between God and your life at the bottom of the ladder, as you appreciate that and you offer your giving and you offer that tithe or that 10% or however your family chooses to do it, I can promise you this. You can watch the windows of heaven at the top of that ladder open and you can witness the gravity of giving in your life. It will descend down the ladder and fill your life because I know we, I could get 10 people, maybe more, to stand up here at the front and share what God has done when they've put God's word in the right place, where tithing looks like what it's meant to look like in your life. So I'm not trying to get something from you this morning. I'm trying to get you something to you. This church is not poor. We are not poor. We're in the top. Like We're in the top. We're the head, not the tail. We're not poor. I'm not begging you for money today. Please don't misunderstand what I'm doing here. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to get something to you. I want you to get that breakthrough in your life that is money controlling you or are you controlling it? Once you decide you're going to tithe, you're saying to money, get in your place and I'm going to control you. You're not going to control me anymore. Your days of controlling us are over. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. 
For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless you.